Welcome to Chicago Tabernacle, a place of becoming. Wherever you find yourself, we pray that you would be encouraged today by God's word. Please join us now as we hear a message from Pastor Toledo. Hallelujah, hallelujah, amen. Blessed be the name of the Lord. He's the king of the universe and he's the king of our hearts. How many would say amen with me today? Praise the Lord. Amen. I'd like for you to open your Bible with me to the book of Ruth, Ruth chapter 2. This is the second message in a series on the life of Ruth, a great woman of faith, a great woman of God in the Bible. And the title of the series is Ruth, a life of faithfulness, a legacy of fruitfulness. Because how many know when we're faithful, God makes us fruitful. When we're faithful, the Lord makes us fruitful. And what we're going to do today is, is see how Ruth's view of God strengthened her heart and made her faithful. I've been encouraging the church to read through the book of Ruth. It's uh, important for you to read the Bible and to mark the Bible. Ask the the Bible questions. Jesus is the word, and when you read the Bible, look at it, mark it, ask the Lord to speak to you the different truths because there's so much there that God wants to say. How many believe God wants to talk to us every time we open his word? Amen. <laughs> Blessed be the name of the Lord. And this story builds from one chapter to another. And what I want to do is, is make a couple of framing statements that that really carry over into, into today's chapter 2. So before we start reading, um, one of the things that we learned last week, right? Last week we learned that Ruth was faithful to God and man. She had a heart of faithfulness. And she was faithful to God and man. And what motivated that faithfulness was her perspective of God she concluded that the supreme God was good. And so even though they found themselves in famine, even though they were surrounded by loss and pain and difficulty, she believed that God would help them. It was in her heart that she just believed that God would help them. And so she chose to be faithful in the small things. She chose to say, Lord, I'm going to build my life right from, from where I am. And she knew that there was a blessing because God is good. And I'm going to tell you the title right up front. The title of today's message is Faithful in the Small. Faithful in the Small. When your heart is full of faith, you just start from where you are because you know that God will be faithful doesn't have to all be worked out. It doesn't have, everything doesn't have to be provided. You just start from where you are, even in the midst of difficulty, even of, in the midst of darkness. You just say, I know that I know that I know that God is faithful. Now here's one of the things that Ruth did. Ruth rejected self-pity. Now I'm going to tell you right now, up front, now, what I'm trying to do is give you, give you some verse, some truths, or some thoughts that can help you frame what we're about to read in a moment. Ruth rejected self-pity, and I want to declare to everyone here, self-pity is poison. Amen. 
okay? You could have loss, you could have hardship, you could have difficulty. Self-pity is never blessed by God. On the contrary, what self-pity does is self-pity begins to create all of these really strong arguments for you not to trust God. For you not to put your faith in God and not to believe God and not to follow God. And so could she have had a pity party? And let's face it, we've all been there. We've all gone to that, to that store party world and bought the little tank and blew up all the balloons in our room and had a really nice pity party. How many of you have a, had a nice pity party for yourself? Okay, go ahead. You, go ahead. Now you can say amen right now. now. All of us, all of us have done it, but I'm telling you right now, God does not bless self-pity. How many know God blesses faithfulness? And so Ruth, she just refused. She said, I'm not going to do that. I'm going to believe God. And even though things are tough and difficult right now, I'm going to do what I can. And I believe that God is going to bless as I do the little things that I can right now. God is still going to bless me. And this is a principle that's in Scripture. The stories of the Old Testament are really interpreted by the New Testament. The New Testament is what really sheds light on the Old Testament, even though the Old Testament went first. But here's a, here's a classic example of this. You're going to, you're going to, you're in the book of Ruth, you're seeing this verse fulfilled. Put, put that up. It says, his master replied, well done, good and faithful servant. You have been faithful with a few things. I will put you in charge of many things. Come and share your master's happiness. I mean, look, look at this. You've been faithful with a few things. I will put you in charge of many things. Come and share your master's happiness. See, when you're full of faith, you understand that even though there might be some temporary famine in your life or, or temporary loss or hardship, just like in the life of Ruth, how many know our heavenly Father has a happiness for us to enter into? What's going on today is tempor temporary, but on that day it will be forever, forever. We will enter into joy unspeakable and full of glory. How many know that's what Jesus is setting up for us? That's what he has for his people enter into your master's happiness that's what's waiting for the faithful for the people who will serve God now even though hard times are here we know hard times are temporary we're going to be with him in glory we want to be found faithful in the small things in the little things and so what I want to do now is jump in now with the frame with those thoughts in mind, okay, I want to just jump right into Ruth chapter 2 beginning with verse 1. They had, in, in chapter 1 they were in Moab and now at the end of, of chapter 1 they transfer back to Bethlehem. Now they're with the people of God uh, uh, in, the, in God's land, so to speak. And it says, uh, Naomi had a relative on her husband's side, a man of standing from the clan of Elimelech, whose name was Boaz. And Ruth the Moabite, and it's, it emphasizes that she's a foreigner, and Ruth the Moabite said to Naomi, 
Let me go to the fields and pick up the leftover grain behind anyone in whose eyes I find favor. Naomi said to her, go ahead, my daughter. Uh, so she went out and entered a field and began to glean behind the harvesters. As it turned out, everyone say, as it turned out. As it turned out, she was working in a field belonging to Boaz, who was from the clan of Elimelech. You know what I love about our lives? I love that there's no coincidence when it comes to as it turns out. How many know God is in charge of all of our as it turned out? Blessed be the name of the Lord. He knows how it's going to turn out. And he wants to bless us. Amen. So here they leave Moab, they leave famine, they leave hurt, they leave pain, and then they get to Bethlehem, and then she starts to move, and as it turns out, okay, so it says she was working in a field belonging to Boaz, who was from the clan of Elimelech. Just then Boaz arrived from Bethlehem and greeted the harvesters. The Lord be with you. The Lord bless you, they answered. Boaz asked the overseers, uh, overseer of his harvesters, who does that young woman belong to? The overseer replied, she is the Moabite who came back from Moab with Naomi. She said, please let me glean and gather among the sheaves behind the harvesters. She came into the field and has remained here from morning till now except for a short rest in the shelter. So Boaz said to Ruth, my daughter, listen to me. Don't go and glean in another field, and don't go away from here. Stay here with the women who work for me. Watch the field where the men are harvesting, and follow along after the woman. I have told the men not to lay a hand on you, and whenever you are thirsty, go and get a, get a drink from the water jars the men have filled. At this she bowed down with her face to the ground, and she asked them, why have I found such favor in your eyes that you notice me a foreigner. And Boaz replied, I have been told about all about what you have done for your mother-in-law since the death of your husband. How you left your father and mother and your homeland and came to live with a people you did not know before. May the Lord repay you for what you have done. May the Lord uh, be May you be richly rewarded by the Lord, the God of Israel, under whose wings you have come to take refuge. So you see here that already the fruitfulness and the blessing of being faithful to God is kicking in. Already. Already because the, the blessing of God, God makes us fruitful. When God makes us fruitful, it doesn't really depend on, on physical circumstances or cultural circumstances or economic circumstances. How many know when God wants to pour out his blessing, he can pour out his blessing no matter what's happening down here. <laughs> Hallelujah. And so immediately... The blessing of God and the favor of God comes because she decided to come under the wings of the Father to take refuge under him. Uh, let, let's read the rest of this chapter. And she said, may I continue to find favor in your eyes, my Lord. 
She said, you have put me at ease by speaking kindly to your servant, though I do not have the standing of even one of your servants, is what she's saying. At mealtime, Boaz said to her, come over here. Have some bread and dip it in the wine vinegar. And she sat down with the harvesters. She offered, he offered her uh, some roasted grain. She ate all she wanted and had some left over. As she got up to go glean, Boaz gave orders to his men. Let her gather among the sheaves and don't reprimand her. Even pull out some stalks for her from the bundles and leave them for her to pick up and don't rebuke her. So Ruth gleaned in the field until evening. Then she threshed the barley she had gathered and it amounted to an ephah. An ephah, she had like a big basket going home. God really blessed her there. She carried it back to town and her mother-in-law saw how much she had gathered. Ruth also brought it out and gave her what she had left over after she had eaten enough. So she even brought like a doggy bag from the dinner meal. This was a good day. Her mother-in-law asked her, where did you glean today? Where did you work? Blessed be the man who took notice of you. Then Ruth told her mother-in-law about the one at whose place she had been working. The name, of the, man, uh, uh, the name of the man I worked with today is Boaz, she said. The Lord bless him, Naomi said to her daughter-in-law. He has not stopped showing his kindness to the living and the dead. Already now even Naomi's faith is starting to turn. And see, listen, look at me for a second, okay. God wants to use your faith in hard times to turn someone else's faith in hard times. It's already starting to happen. This is so powerful. And she added, that man is our close relative. He is one of our guardian redeemers. Now I want to pause here. We're going to focus on this uh, um, as the book unfolds. But this is a very important um, Bible verse for us to focus on because guardian redeemer, another way to uh, say it is kinsman redeemer. And in that culture, uh, again, we explained some of this last week, when someone, when, when a man died and he left a wife behind, the relatives were supposed to take up the slack. And so Boaz was a, considered a guardian redeemer. Now, for us to really understand what this is talking about, this guardian redeemer is a type of Christ. And what, what the Bible is teaching us here, before we dive into the text, what the Bible is actually teaching us here is notice that, that the guardian redeemer was there all of the time. And God led her right into that field. And Jesus is our kinsman redeemer. Jesus is our protector, and we can go from famine and hardship and difficulty, and if we put our faith in the Lord, how many know the kinsman redeemer is going to show up? Jesus is our kinsman redeemer. If you want to know one of the ways on how to view who Christ is, Christ is your guardian redeemer. So that when you lose on the earth, you're still provided for by heaven. How many would say amen? Could we put our hands together and praise him? <laughs> Hallelujah. Hallelujah. 
He's our kinsman redeemer. And then it says, then Ruth the Moabite said, uh, said, he even said to me, stay with my workers until they have finished harvesting all of my grain. I think there's a little more. Naomi said to Ruth, her daughter-in-law, it will be good for you, my daughter, to go with the women who work uh, for him because in someone else's field you might be harmed. So Ruth stayed close to the women of Boaz to glean until the barley and wheat harvests were finished. And she lived with her mother-in-law. And so what you see here is that the, the tide is beginning to turn because one woman said, God is good and he's worthy for me to put my faith in him. He's good. How many know God is good? He's good. And because he's good, she said, I'm going to follow him wherever you go. I will go. All of this is building off of chapter one. Your people will be my people. Your God will be my God. I'm going to follow God because I know that your God is faithful. And so, and then, and here we have the kinsman redeemer. The Christ figure of the book of Ruth has arrived. Because Christ is faithful. And what we're going to do now is we're going to see what happened because of her faith in God. How did she live out that faithfulness? That's the lesson of the day here. Is how did she continue to be faithful? Because many times the people of God struggle with being faithful. And I want to pray that God would help us. Because we too want to hear, well done my good and faithful servant. Amen. So let's pray. Father, we thank you for this day. We thank you for this wonderful time in your presence today. Lord, I thank you for every person that is here today. Whether it be a member of this church or a regular visitor or even a first-time visitor. Lord, I thank you that we're all together, that we're in your presence. And now, Lord, I thank you that we can sit before your word and you can speak to our hearts and our lives. And I pray, Lord, that you would speak in this meeting. We need to hear from you and we need to learn from you. Even the way Ruth was, was picking up from the field, I pray that your people would pick it up. Bless this time, we pray, by your mighty power in the mighty name of Jesus. And everyone said, amen and amen. So here what we see is that Ruth was faithful, as I mentioned, the title of the message today is Faithful in the Small. The truth of the matter is that she came out of deep hardship, and what she did is she began to be faithful in some very simple and basic ways, because that's what you have to do when the bottom drops out or things get dark. And what this passage of Scripture teaches us, first and foremost, is that true faithfulness takes initiative. Faithfulness takes initiative. Look at what it says. Okay, they just arrived. She doesn't know necessarily where they are. The people don't know her. She doesn't know the people. But she says, let me go to the fields and pick up the leftover. Everyone say leftover. Let me go pick up the leftover green. 
What you see here in Ruth's life is that her faith caused her to build from the present. She said to herself, God is faithful, this is what I have, and this is what I'm going to work with. When you're walking in faith, you say, this is what I have, and this is what I'm going to work with. A lot of Christians spend so much energy thinking about what they don't have and what they wish they had. But Christians that are full of faith, they say, this is what I have, and this is what I'm going to work with. I'm going to go someplace, and I'm just going to pick up the leftovers, and God is going to build my life, hallelujah, from the leftovers, because God is able to do that. God can build our lives off of leftovers. Start from where you are. Faith takes initiative. Okay? She didn't give in to the pity party. She got up and did something. She did something because on our worst day, God is good. And if God is good, then let's step out and do something because the blessing is coming. How many would say amen? Even on our worst day, God is good. So do something and expect, expect God to do something good. And that's what she did. She understood, look, if I step out in faith, even in small ways, she said, I know God is going to bless me. What you see here, with the, the verse that I read to you out of the New Testament, and even the verse that I read for uh, the offering, it's talking about the principle or the concept of stewardship. So God gives us all, he gives us a whole host of things. He gives us giftings and, and uh, we're called to be stewards over our mind. We're called to be stewards over our body. We're called to be stewards over the material blessings that we have. Everything that we have is a gift from God, amen? We believe that it's provided by God and we're supposed to be good stewards of that. We talked about we're supposed to be good stewards of our money. You see, all of it, all of it is, it, got, it comes from God, and God wants us to be good stewards. And if when you're a good steward, okay, it doesn't matter where you start. When you're a good steward, if you're faithful with the small, then how many know more will be added? And so look, stewardship begins with small steps taken in small places. Are you in a small place today? Okay. Did the bottom drop out? Have you experienced loss? Has this gone wrong or that wrong gone wrong? It doesn't matter. You can't stop the fruitfulness and the blessing of God when someone takes, it lives by faith and just day by day takes those steps of faith. God blesses our initiative. How many know faith without works, the Bible says, is dead? I believe, if you believe, do something. We're called to be stewards of our body, of our mind, of our talents, of our giftings. Listen, God will hold you accountable for what you did with what he gave you. Got one amen. Thank you. Thank you for that whisper. But it's true. And listen, be a good steward of your marriage. Be a good steward of your body, okay? Don't mistreat your body. Be a good steward of your body. Be a good steward of your relationships. Be a good steward of your talents. God's going to say, what did you do with that talent? What did you do with that gifting I gave you? Did, you? did you use that for my glory or did you spend it on whatever? You see? But listen, 
the thing that we know is that if we'll just take the time, little by little, day by day. I, I say this all of the time. How do you eat an elephant? One bite at a time. You know, one bite at a time. There's something about a little by little every day. I worked at the Twin Towers when I was uh, um, younger, in my early 20s. And um, I worked in a reinsurance company. And honestly, I really did not like that job. And I worked in the treasury department. And um, uh, there was a guy there. His name was Chris. I've never forgotten Chris. Because at lunchtime, I couldn't wait to just get out of there. But Chris, he would bring his lunch. And Chris would go and, buy, and get these trade journals about the reinsurance industry. And every lunchtime, I saw this guy like, Reading, learning, reading, learning. And I was like, this is such a boring job. You know, but him, he was like, and you know what? Chris kept going up, 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 up. And I was like, entry level, entry level, entry level. <laughs> Some people, you want to be president? Well, you got to start someplace. And you got to get busy, initiative every day. You got to work, you got to work, you got to work. How many know the Christians get busy for God and they know that God will bless that? I want to be president. It's not like life. Life doesn't work like that. You have to work at that thing. You know, I, I, I forgive me for the personal reference, but. There was a lesson that I learned when I came to Christ very early on. And um, uh, this was one of those very, this is a very impacting thing. You know, when I was 17 years old, I was scheduled to be a, 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 a I was scheduled to go pretty high in the draft. Um, I, I ended up getting drafted by the Chicago White Sox in the sixth round. But I didn't, well, it didn't do me much, so, you know. So, <laughs> so you know. So, anyway. Um, <clears throat> may, oh, they were clapping for the White Sox. Yeah, I get it. <laughs> so, uh, um, I lived my whole life. All I focused on was baseball. And I, I got hurt. I didn't even pitch, really, my senior year. But I, I really was talented. And I got drafted anyway. The vice president of the White Sox came to my house. And he said, look, I saw you pitch when you were a sophomore. That's why I drafted you. You didn't even pitch this year. And... Um, but nonetheless, my life went in a different direction, and uh, um, all of a sudden, you know, I didn't have baseball anymore. And I'm going to be honest with you. Um, I quickly, when I lost baseball, I quickly came to a realization. And that realization was that I was a big dummy. I was dumb. Okay. You know, I, I went through high school. I went to one of the best high schools in, Brooke, in New York. And, uh, but because I was a baseball star, I didn't study. There were a number of times when I shouldn't have passed classes. But I was the, quote, star, and they just passed me. You know, and it wasn't helpful. There was a, there was a, a moment in my, in my high school year when, uh, I, I, I'm afraid to say that we're going to delete this off of the... Uh, Think they might revoke, revoke my high school diploma after this. <laughs> but, but they wanted to flunk me in the whole deal. And, and a scout from, I think it was the California Angels, called the vice president of the school and said to him, listen, listen, you see this kid right here? 
this kid is going to make more money than the entire graduating class put together. I don't want to hear about a chemistry grade. And so they put me through. But then, but then baseball was gone and I had to wake up. And, I, and you know what life was telling me? Life was telling me, you didn't study, you didn't take advantage of that grade school, you didn't this, you didn't that. And I'm telling you right now, all right, and I want to give you a piece of advice. All right, you need to be honest with yourself. And I looked in the mirror and I said, I am a dummy. And I knew it. I knew I was a dummy and I had just become a Christian. And so what I started to do, and again, forgive me for the personal reference, but I started to read Newsweek magazine from cover to cover and I started to read the New York Times. I read the New York Times almost every day for close to two years. I would just read and I didn't even know what I was reading about. But I just kept reading, kept reading, kept reading day after day. And, and all of a sudden, for the first time in my life, I started to get a sense of what was happening in the world. And about two years later, I was in, a, in an English class. And when I was there in that English class, the teacher asked the question. We were talking about what was going on at the time. Uh, 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 President uh, Reagan was in office and he was trying to start something called the Star Wars Initiative. I've never forgotten this. And uh, they were talking about the Star Wars Initiative. They wanted to put satellites in the sky or some special lasers that would shoot down missiles and it was too expensive. And, and the teacher asked a question. I raised my hand and I answered the question. And after I answered the question, I put my hand down and I just bent my neck and I just started weeping right in the chair. Because I was like, oh my goodness, I actually have something to say. You know, I actually have something to say right now. The truth of the matter is, is I have lived like a dummy. Okay? But see, here's what's amazing about this story. What's amazing about this story about the life of Ruth is she loses everything. She goes into the field basically as a beggar, okay, as a beggar. When I lost baseball, I went from, from limousine to, to skateboard. You know what I'm saying? Nothing, a beggar. But our God is so awesome that you start from the lowest place, no matter how low, even if you dug the pit yourself, all you have to do is begin to believe and start taking little steps, little faith initiative, day by day, and he will bless you. He will pour out blessing upon your life. Nothing can stop the favor of God on the, on the lives of his people, hallelujah. <laughs> Who is like our God, hallelujah. Who is like our God? And all it takes is a step of faith. A little faith every day, a little faith every day. You're like, well, you don't know where I'm at. He knows where you are. Don't you realize your kinsman, redeemer is already there. All we got to do is start taking a few steps of faith. Maybe it's with a relationship. Maybe you need to call and get that thing right. Maybe it's with, uh, maybe, maybe you've, you've been doing something really, really wrong. It's time to get it right. Maybe it's time to walk away. 
Like, but if I walk away, I put so much, I've invested so much in this relationship. Look at everything I gave. Well, what about everything that Ruth gave? But listen, I'm telling you, holy, there is no one like you. There is none beside you. Were you singing with us today? I will build my life upon your love. It is a firm foundation. You're going to tell me, don't you realize God is looking down at every single person? How many hairs does he have and he have on their head? God knows exactly how many hairs. He knows. All we have to do is take a step of faith toward him. She said, you know what I'm going to do? I'm going to go to the fields and glean. See, look. This is an amazing thing. Ruth probably learned that in the Jewish culture, in the Jewish culture, there was a rule. When you're harvesting, when you're harvesting, you own a field. When you're harvesting, as you're harvesting, if some, if some of the, what you're harvesting, corn, whatever, if it falls behind, don't turn back and grab it. Leave it for the poor. That leftover was for them. It was already set there for Ruth. Ruth said, what kind of God is this? And here's what I want to ask you. What kind of God is this? That even when we dig a ditch, even when we're in a prison, even when everything is wrecked, even when it's all fallen out and all fallen apart, God says, I will build your life. Even from a beggar's field. Didn't the woman say, Lord, even the dogs eat the crumbs off of the master's table. How many know one crumb from heaven is powerful enough to heal us and transform us and change us for his glory? Hallelujah. Oh, there's no one like Jesus. There's no one like him. There's no one like the Lord. Tell me what God, who does this? That we're in a wreck and he's just waiting there and he takes a little. Listen, brothers and sisters, little as much when God is in it. Oh, blessed be the name of the Lord. So look, faith, it anticipates and it starts taking steps. And I want to encourage you, when you leave here today, you need to take some steps of faith. Take the initiative. Go this. Don't say, I'm a beggar. That's where you start. Here's the next thing, very quickly. Faith not only uh, um, takes initiative, but faith anticipates favor. Faithfulness anticipates favor. She says, let me go into the field and pick up the leftover grain behind anyone, look, in whose eyes I find favor. What is this, what is this teaching us? It's teaching us. It's teaching us that today, no matter where we are, okay, if you look up to him, you can find favor. You know what Ruth said? It's amazing. She said, Naomi, I got to go. I got to go because, because, you know, I'm going to go someplace and wherever I go, I know that 
I'm going to find favor in someone's eyes today because that's the kind of God I serve. You see? And she says, we lost everything, Ruth. Uh, Naomi, I know, I lost my husband. You lost your husband. We've lost everything. We, we can't buy land. We can't buy food. We can't buy anything. But listen, I know the God that we serve is a good God and favor is around the corner. I know that this is the day where favor is going to begin to pour out upon my life. You know what favor says. Favor gets up in the morning and says, I'm going to move because favor is around the corner. Brothers and sisters, all you have to do is believe and begin to live by faith because how many know favor is around the corner for his people? It's around the corner. Hallelujah. Come on, let's clap because we believe, oh God. Hallelujah. Oh, blessed be the name of the Lord. It's so funny, you know that, that clap right there? That clap was almost a reflection of faith. That's the way faith is. Faith is. You see? Little, little, more, more. You know what's amazing about her? Is she, here's what she said. She said, just because the door slams shut... That doesn't mean that God is not good. You know what it means? It means that God has something better. Has a door, do you, have you had a door slam shut in your face in the last couple weeks? Have you experienced loss? Have things been taken away? Have things been cut? Okay, when you were expecting addition, has it become subtraction? That's okay because we know that we know we anticipate favor. And how many know God has something better for his people? All things work together for the good of those who love him and are called according to his purpose. <laughs> Hallelujah. And so look, I want, I want to put this up. When a door slams shut, faith can that a different door will open that is God's best. That's what Ruth did. Ruth said, you have something so much better. If the, if the singers could come, Ruth was like, we've lost all of this, but I know that God has more. Do you, do you hear the Spirit reaching out to you? The Spirit of Christ is reaching out to you and saying, you know, why are you going to stay stuck in the fields of Moab? You know what Bethlehem means? It means house of bread. When are you going to come over and begin to trust me and let me weave a miracle? You know God, he weaves these amazing miracles. He takes the worst things and the worst stories and the worst circumstances and he makes them the most beautiful things and the most powerful stories so that he could get all the glory. You see, but people have to believe. They have to anticipate favor. I'm not going to let that, just because the door was slammed shut, I'm not going to let that thing discourage me. I've been reading. We're almost done here. we got to close, but I've been reading the Psalms, and one of the things I see from the Psalms, brothers and sisters, one of the things I keep reading about the Psalms of David is that David was in very difficult situations, 
and while he was in difficult situations, he would say things like, God, you're my strength, and I know that you're going to deliver me, and I know that you're going to deal with my enemies. I'm going to see the goodness of the Lord in the land of the living. I might be in a cave right now, but I'm going to end up in the middle of the congregation, and when I get there, Lord, I'm going to declare your praises. I'm going to give you all of the glory. You're going to take me from this hard place into a beautiful place, into a spacious place. God, you're going to take me there. Over and over and over, he would just, he would, see, faith is, is forward. Faith is not before the miracle, uh, after the miracle, it's before the miracle. Faith says, yes, the door has been slammed shut. But the Bible says that our God is a God who opens doors Right, that no man can open by his mighty power. He is able. We only need one door to walk through. Let 15 close. God, open your door. That's the door of favor and blessing. That's the door we want, and that's the door we wait for. <laughs> Hallelujah. We all realize sometimes God says no. But he says no because he's got better. And then here's the last thing, and then we're going to close very quickly here. The last thing that this passage teaches us is that faithfulness leads us to the Redeemer. So she didn't know. Verse 1 says, talks about Boaz. They ended up where Boaz lives. And she started talking to Boaz, right? And watch this. She said to Boaz, why have you been so good to me? And he says... I've been told all about what you have done for your mother-in-law since the death of your husband. How you left your father and mother and your homeland and came to live with a people you did not know before. Okay, may the Lord repay you for what you have done. May you be richly rewarded by the Lord, the God of Israel, under whose wings you have come to take refuge. And she said, may I continue to find favor in your eyes, my Lord. Now go back and we're, we, we, we're going to close. But listen, I want you to see something, okay. I have been told about what you have been, I've done for your mother-in-law since the day, since the death of your husband how you left your father and mother, your homeland, and came to live with a people you did not know before. Here's, here's what he's basically saying. Here's how this applies to us. In the same way that he got word about her, how many know the Lord releases his... This is what I love about Christianity. This is what I love about Christianity. Okay? In a moment, everybody's going to leave. Okay? Uh, we'll have another service, and at the end of the service... There'll be scraps of paper on the floor, you know. Maybe some people, some naughty people, they stuck some gum under the chair. Shame, 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 you know. And somebody's going to come and be in this room, and you won't be here. And maybe nobody will be here. And they'll be picking up. They'll be picking up. They'll get pliers and have to pop that thing off. And um, they'll be and they'll be doing all of this stuff in the building. And there'll be an angel hovering, taking notes, saying, I see what you're doing for me. 
How many know there's a holy accountant uh, in heaven? And they keep the books knowing everything that we do for Christ. He says, Ruth, I've seen what you've done. I've seen your faithfulness. You're about to come into blessing like you can't even imagine. I'm going to take you from the darkest place and bring you to the most amazing place. You're going to be part of an amazing history. Oh, an amazing legacy. Hallelujah. watching you he's watching you he's he's just every little step he goes look look I can't wait when when I bring him home I'm gonna say well done my good and faithful servant enter into joy enter into your master's happiness that's the word of the Lord to his people When I was driving in today, when I was driving in, I wanted to sing a song. And I was like, I, I called my office, and this was really, I was like, man, I listen to this song all the time in the house, but we don't sing this song. And, and man, I wish, I wish we could really sing this song. And then I started thinking about me teaching it. And I was working out, well, if I sing it, what if I sing it? Maybe they catch on. And then I started to hear myself singing. I was like, no, no, don't do that. It's true. And then I walked in here at a certain point to do a sound check. And I heard the keyboard. And I was like, oh, snap, that's the song. Right? Christian, help us. Faithful you are. Faithful Forever you will be faithful, you are. All your promises are yes and amen. All your promises are yes and amen. Come on, lift your hands to him, everyone. Faithful, you are. Come on, just between you and God right now. Faithful forever. From darkness, from loss. Faithful, you are. From a pit, from hurt, from pain. All your promises are yes and amen. All your promises are yes Come on. and amen. The people of God declare it, everyone.
bless you. Here's what we're going to do. We did this in the first service. We don't have a lot of time. But I want to, the Bible says that God surrounds us with songs of deliverance. And I want to sing over some people today. If you're here today and you're in a faith battle, maybe you've had some doors slammed shut. Maybe the enemy is trying to discourage you. Maybe you're in difficulty. Maybe you're in pain. Maybe you feel like Naomi. You feel like God has forsaken you. And you need an injection of faith. What's beautiful about the body of Christ, some days you're down, but somebody else is up. And that's why we're here to pray one for another. How many would say amen to that? Blessed be the name of the Lord. In another day you're up and someone else is down. If that's you, Okay, I want you to move into the middle or into one of the aisles, the closest aisle to you. Go quickly. We just want to pray and then we'll be dismissed. Take a step of faith. If you feel like, man, I need prayer. This word was for me. I need a breakthrough. I've been in hard places. Just slip into the middle aisle. Blessed be the name of the Lord. Come on, let's begin to sing. And we're going to sing over them as they're moving. Come on, move to the middle aisle. And turn to the closest aisle. Stretch out your hand.
over every heart. Sweep over every life. Replace discouragement with joy unspeakable and full of glory. Replace worry with peace today, oh God. You're our kinsman redeemer, oh God. You will be faithful, oh God. You will be faithful, oh God. All your promises are yes and amen, oh God. Bless your people, oh God. And Lord, I pray that as we walk from this place that our eyes will be fo firmly focused upon you, oh God. I pray, Lord, that we would walk out of here with the joy of the Lord as our strength, oh God. Lord, we don't have to see, oh God. All we have to know is that you're on the throne and that you are our kinsman redeemer. You are our guardian redeemer and you will provide richly and immensely, Lord God. Hallelujah. Yes, let's put our hands together. You're going to do it by your mighty power, oh God. Blessed be your name, oh God. So bless your people. Move them to action. Move them to hope and expectation. And Father, whoever we run into in the days to come, Lord, let people see that we have a hope, oh God, that surpasses anything in this world. We have riches that this world knows nothing about because we have you, Lord God. Help us to share Christ wherever we go. We want to share the kinsman redeemer. And we thank you for that privilege and that honor. Send your people to do it now, we pray. In the mighty name of Jesus and everyone said, amen. Come on, let's praise him.